this is your daily reminder that addiction is not as it seems and it is so fucking complicated but we're gonna try to unpack some of these things based on my 10 years of experience and of course my own habits i have spoken to thousands of people who have gone through the opioid epidemic among many other things heroin cocaine alcohol you name it i've spoken to so many people that have gone into rehab have come out have relapsed and have done it all over again the truth is is that we need better education and better systems to enable people to make better choices when you understand the way these mechanisms work, you might begin to actually make better choices. So today's daily is brought to you by Grass Door Cannabis Delivery Made Simple. Save 40% now. Use the code daily at checkout. More links down below. And I want to first talk about rehab. I've been going through a lot of different videos and just kind of uh, learning about the different methods that are being used as of now, present day. One thing that really stands out for me is when I compare it to what people have said to me, people who have gone through the program or currently in the programs, is that there's so many issues with the approach. And oftentimes, even as of now, many of these programs are designed for you to fail. In fact, I was having this conversation maybe a couple of months ago with someone who runs a rehab center themselves. And they're kind of like in a manager position, so to speak. It is so difficult for people already that are going through this terrible time in their lives, but very, very few are even aware that going into a program like this oftentimes just leads to relapse. They're designed for you to fail. And when you fail, you end up right back into this program. The programs make so much money off of government subsidies and insurance companies that they don't want anybody to rehabilitate. When we look at the broader issues of what the system is like, there's zero tolerance for any type of uh, drug use. And many people I've spoken to as recently as like a couple of weeks ago, you know, some of these individuals prefer to get into programs where the homes that they stay in, these halfway houses, at, at the very least allow cannabis use, especially in states where cannabis is legal. For some of you that say, you know what, a zero tolerance policy is the best way for rehab, that is something I want to come with a counter argument for. I can tell you this from experience and many other and many other things and conversations that a zero tolerance may have been the approach decades ago and that was understandable the there was a lack of uh understanding of the situation but for certainty i can say that we are chemically driven species we love chemicals whether the, whether they are the ones that are produced in our brains or they are uh, produced by the use of substances, we love them and we're going to continue using them. Food is no different, you know, um, and many activities that we do are no different. They produce similar chemicals. So 
to say that a zero tolerance policy is the way to go is one of the contributing factors for relapse. People that go into these programs are already uh, going through so much turmoil. I mean, they're already at rock bottom. What else can we expect them to do? When we know that the likelihood of relapse is quite high, and when we can't really equip them with the right tools from the very start to come out the other end and be productive individuals, this is the end result again and again. Now, I want to say that it is very unlikely for people to be able to even get into these programs, oftentimes because of how much they cost. The really good ones are very expensive. The moderately priced ones just don't provide uh, nearly as much support as uh, the ones that you would pay more for. So what can you really expect between um, the ones that are very expensive versus the ones that are relatively affordable? If the treatment is about the same, you know, what are you getting more from the expensive one? Oftentimes that's better prepared meals, you know, a chef that works 24-7 providing for you and other amenities. Well, some of those things don't exist, or at least there's a lack of some of those amenities in the affordable ones. Regardless, when we look at the situation, it's not perfect. Let's go back 20, 30 years and and look closely at the rehab um, business model and the programs that they have facilitated. They're not effective. A lot of people come out and eventually relapse once again because when you're telling somebody that, you know what, you're an addict and uh, you cannot use any substances whatsoever. Well, once you do get clean, you got to stay clean. You're a recovering addict forever. Technically, we're all recovering addicts for much of our lives, if not forever. We all like something. We all abuse something. Even if it is a legal substance, uh, it still does harm to the body. Can we not agree on that, right? The simplest form is food. Many of us find comfort in food. They're even engineered to be so delicious we cannot stop eating. And for those individuals, the consequence is uh, deteriorating health, which leads to uh, serious diseases. But it's not illegal. And though they may have a food addiction, we're not putting them into those same programs, are we? So why is it that all of these other substances are treated differently than highly processed foods? I couldn't answer that. But I can say that there's very little difference between them other than the fact that one is completely legal and is kind of required for sustenance, but the other one isn't required. You don't need heroin. You don't need opioids. You don't need cannabis. Uh, these are just comforts that people turn to, some more destructive than others. The argument that has come up again and again is why not just legalize everything? Well, you would see a total societal collapse, much like what we're seeing in California. It just doesn't work. I mean, it sounds it sounds maybe ideal on paper or uh, great on paper, but when you really 
uh, look at the broader picture and kind of play out the scenarios of what may happen, all these variables, you will understand that things begin to crumble rather quickly if all people want to do is just get high all the fucking time and not do anything else. Naturally so, that is like the extreme and it doesn't mean it would be the extreme in every variable scenario. However, getting back to the point of just understanding, the basic understanding of our chemically driven bodies, that education can go a long way. Having some lenience on people who are recovering from serious substances and saying, you know what, if you think you can find some comfort from smoking weed, like, you know, why not? In this program, they can be a little more uh, lenient towards that. These programs are kind of being developed right now, but they aren't in full force. And um, insurance companies have a problem with it. Some of the homes or halfway houses that run these programs uh, for rehab purposes may be lenient towards it as of now, but they're constantly arguing with insurance companies who do not want to pay up uh, if anybody is testing positive for any type of substance, particularly THC. It's really tough. When you're rec when you're recovering from a serious substance abuse problem, um, you are already dealing with so much emotionally, physically, psychologically, and to seek comfort in something is not wrong. It's uh, and being taught that it is wrong and that you're a you're just an addict and that you know you cannot act on those impulses because it, you know it's going to lead you down the same road. Well, complete abstinence has shown us it does lead down the same road once again. So since that doesn't work, perhaps it's time to reevaluate and try some other approaches. It's not going to, I mean, if the end result is the same, nonetheless, then fine. You know, we can once again, move on and look to new models to try and experiment with. I don't think substance abuse is ever going to go away. And that really stems from our biology. And it's not something that will ever really escape. We all like stimulation of some type. It's part of the education that I provide here when I'm speaking with people. Uh, people tend to say this all the time to me. It's like, well, you know, I have an addictive personality. And when they finish, I have to stop them right there and, and kind of uh, inform them that, you know, it's not your personality. It's your biology. When you find something that you really enjoy the stimulation from, you tend to want to do it more and more until it gets boring or until you find something else that is uh, stimulating you a little bit better. That is just how the body works and how the brain works. With that in mind, it is so critical to begin exploring a different approach and experimenting, trying these different methods, seeing how, how much better people can uh, respond to the program and how much more likely they would be to actually um, resist any of the harder substances that led them to go into rehab. I don't know. It's not a perfect science. This is why I say, um, after speaking with so many people, after doing a lot of reading and watching and seeing like these programs are designed to make you fail, 
They want you to keep coming back because that's what gets them paid. That is not what um, what we want as a society, is it? But as these business models are just that, they're just businesses and they thrive on the suffering of humans, maybe it's time we all try to reevaluate and say, no, this is not okay and we need to do it better. Naturally so, we don't have the kind of influence that we would like to have on these things, but you do have the ability to make better choices of where you would want to uh, submit your child, your sibling, your parent um, in terms of programs. Do your research. This is something very important. You will find that there are many out there that have great reviews, but if there was a way for you to be able to follow up on people who have uh, been through these programs and see where they are today, you might you might be really shocked to find that though the program may have helped them initially, it did not provide them the tools to get to the other end and then just stay um, away from the destructive habits that they had before going into that program. This is um, this is part of the problem. In terms of actually applying the right tools, what I mean by this is the education and then helping them when they come out of these programs, helping them find stability in life. Um, oftentimes I have seen that group meetings tend to just stimulate more desire because people are talking about wanting to get high or what it was like when they were high. That's not a positive thing. And why, you know, why would we expect people who are listening to these stories to uh, stay away from their preferred substances when they're hearing about why people were using or, you know, how it made them feel those memories are triggered in those group uh, listeners inevitably leading to the desire to once again use. What do you think? Am I right? Am I wrong? These are the thoughts I've had about this topic. The research I've done suggests most certainly um, we need a different approach. We should um, equip people better when they go into the programs, have a little more leniency on the types of substances they may want to seek comfort from. Um, at least maybe up until uh, a certain point, maybe when they first enter six weeks of just being clean um, and just kind of rehabilitating the mind, the body and spirit, and then working towards like, okay, you want to smoke some weed, you know, once a day or something, because that brings you some comfort or some relief, like, why not? Um, but ultimately, I want you to leave your comments down below and I'll catch you guys on the next one. <music>